0: Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball
1: Thrilled the center field deep, Back out of the seat, to the track To the wall, it's gone Kevin Longoria with a two-run Home run to straightaway center And he gives the Rays a 6-4 to Lead here in the ninth
0: Coming up, we'll recap the action From this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball and sit down for In-depth interviews with the biggest names In the game,
2: the 2-2 now
1: Next swing, on the slider, strike three. Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout.
0: Here's your host, Neil Solans.
2: Good to across from One. This week, you're going to hear from Desmond Jennings, Brian Anderson of Fox Sports. Son will stop on by. Plus, you'll hear about the Rays' revamp bullpen, and we'll chat with White Sox star and Lakeland native Chris Sale. Plus, much more.
0: We are your home for the best Rays discussion and analysis. This is 620 WDAE and 95.3 FM, Home of the Rays.
2: We continue on this week in Rays Baseball, and our featured guest this week is Rays outfielder Desmond Jennings. Desmond, great to have you on the show. First, since Friday was Jackie Robinson Day, and Saturday the Rays did a couple of community projects relating to that. Tell me what Jackie Robinson Day means to you.
3: Man, it means a lot. It means a lot. Um you know it means a lot to you know a lot of guys around the league, um, and not just baseball. I mean, it mean, you know he he broke a barrier that is still you know making making moves now, but you know he definitely set the tone in a huge way. And um, you know it, it means everything. It means everything for me, for my family, uh, you know other guys as well on the team, and like I said, not just baseball, but you know he made big strides for this country.
2: Indeed. And you, know, you grew up in a community, Birmingham, Alabama, which was at the center of the civil rights movement. So I'm curious, growing up, uh, whether it was parents or grandparents or aunts and uncles, how much did Jackie Robinson and his meaning come into conversations at home?
3: Um, you know, it, it was a little different growing up. Um, you know, definitely for my, my grandparents, my parents, my um, you know, it was, it was definitely a, a big deal for them. You know, growing up as a kid, um, you didn't really have as much understanding as, you know, they did at the time. But, you know, growing up and, you know, starting to realize, you know, the, the effect that he did have um, and that he does have to this to this day today is, is huge.
2: When you went to Cuba, um, I know most of the team got to go up and, and say hello to President Obama, but he brought Rachel Robinson on that trip, which I would think would be majorly significant. Now that you look back at it in some sort of context.
3: Yeah. I mean, definitely, definitely. Um, you know, that's, that's a big deal. Um, you know, that, that hasn't happened in a long time and, um, you know, I'm sure somewhere down the line that, you know, Jackie had to definitely a big, big deal. Like he he had something to do with that. You know, it's cool, man. It's definitely cool, and, you know, everyone's come together and, you know, changed the game and the way the game is played, the way the game is taught, the way the game is looked at. um, He definitely had a big, big, huge, um, you know, difference in that. There's still, obviously, and Major
2: League Baseball acknowledges it, a lot of things that they want to continue to do to help improve growing the game. It's grown globally, but there is certainly a a drop in – African-American participation at the major league level. I mean, fact the race, are fairly unusual. Yourself and Tim Beckham and Chris Archer to have three on one team is actually well above the average. Are there things that you want to do? I know you, you do some stuff with dugout programs and things in South St. Petersburg, but any things you do at home, or do you feel that you know there are ways that can help promote the game better to kids in, in African-American communities that are predominantly like that?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think if you just get out, into the community you know and let them let them see a face you know because i don't feel like too many kids um you know watch baseball you know it's more basketball and more football but i think um you know if you get out and show them that you know it it is african-americans in in baseball you know and it's um it's a fun sport to play it's awesome sport um you know, and the, the love is, is here as well as everywhere else. But, um, I mean, i I got something, you know, in the works right now that I'm, I'm trying to get done. So um, we'll see how that goes, and you know, we'll go from there.
2: Well, as you progress with that, we'd certainly be anxious to hear more details and, and have the chance to promote it and help you uh, promote the game in that regard. You know, I'm curious because you mentioned football and basketball. You had a choice. I mean, you were a very good player. High school and college football player at the junior college level. How hard was the choice between football and baseball, and what eventually made the difference?
3: Oh, it was tough, man. It's definitely tough. You go with, you know, I grew up playing all three sports, and you know, I was in love with all three of them. Like it was, it was nothing, you know, that I liked about this sport better than this sport. So it was, uh, it was definitely tough, man. It came down to um, a family, you know, my family, and you know, financial um situation and you know it was it came down to to baseball and um you know i, I love the decision um that that we made me and my family and um you know it's it's was definitely was a tough decision definitely was a tough decision but um you know i'm, I'm definitely excited about you know the choice that we made
2: you mentioned you know before role models and having potential role models in the game or more for people to see were there any for you as you grew up that inspired you that got you excited about the game of baseball
3: oh uh, yeah definitely um you know I you know, I grew up I grew up a David Justice fan um and that was that was huge man I was a huge huge Atlanta Braves fan growing up being two hours two and a half hours away from Atlanta so, um, you know, I grew up on the, on the Braves, Justice and um, Gant and Jordan and McGriff. and You know, I was a huge, huge Braves fan.
2: And obviously they were pretty well represented, too, in terms of a good role models, as this Rays team is. I mean, how proud are you of this organization and some of the things they do in the communities to try and, whether it's play ball initiatives or otherwise, to help kids, at least in this area get excited about the game
3: no Ray's raised an awesome job um i mean every time you look up or, or you hear something it's something being done in the community which is is cool that you know they're able to to give back you know and i mean i always see you know building playgrounds or building something donating something i mean it's cool and you know um i'm sure it's 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 well appreciative around the around the city
2: Again, we're chatting with Desmond Jennings on the latest edition of This Week in Rays Baseball. I don't think people realize how physical, though, a game of baseball can be. Um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, you had a choice between that and football. It's not like baseball, because you play so many games, isn't a physical sport.
3: No, I mean, you know, it's. I hear people talk about all the time that, you know, about <laughs> about football players and how they you know, put their bodies on the line, which they do, you know, you can't argue with that. But baseball is, it's, I mean, it's taxing definitely, you know, um, those those little nagging injuries that you get when, you know, in football you get to rest them for three or four days before the next game. Um, that's some stuff you really don't get to do as a baseball player. So, I mean, you go out and play that next day and then the day after and the day after. You know, it's tough, but, you know, that's what we signed up for. It's our job. So, um, you just got to do it and, you know, go out and give everything you got and go from there.
2: I'm curious, since you were a receiver um, coming through high school, junior college, give me a scouting report on Desmond Jennings. Is there a wide receiver in the game you would have compared to? And if you decided to go with football, what kind of
3: wide receiver would you have been? Oh, man. It's... (laughs) it's hard to look at it now um you know it was 10 years ago <laughs> but I, I don't know I don't know I felt like I would have got the job done if it was thrown my way I feel like I would have caught it um you know I didn't feel like I dropped too many balls um I, a guy that I'm by no means comparing myself to this guy but I feel like he never drops passes and that's Larry Fitzgerald you know he He's not the fastest. He's not the biggest. He's not, you know, the strongest, but he he gets the job done. Um, and he's probably one of the better receivers to ever play the game.
2: Is that kind of how you would like to see
3: – how would you like to be perceived as a baseball player since you meant we talked about football? Um. Yeah, um, I got. I mean, I love the game. You know, I love to play the game. Unfortunately, the last couple of years have been kind of down, been hurt here and there, but, um, you know, i bounce back this year. And, um and and have a good year and have this team um, go places that we haven't been in a couple of years um you know I just want to you know be appreciated, you know um and looked at as a as a as a good player that that played played the game you know played the game hard and you know did what he could to help his
2: team again chatting with Desmond Jennings on this week in race baseball you know we talked about it before on this show that your cousin is Andre Smith and he's an NFL player with the Bengals. Let's take him out of the equation since you're such a big Bama fan. Who's your favorite Alabama football player of all time?
3: Ooh, of all time? Man, I mean, I could go back, <laughs> but um No, I'll go I'll, I'll go with um I'll go with Amari Cooper. Yeah. Um you know, of course, you got Sean Alexander and David Palmer and, and you know, guys like that. But I think I Amari think Cooper is probably the most talented player that, that came out of Alabama.
2: Since your Crimson Tide got another championship this year, if you had one game now, I'm going to give you even a harder question, okay. Nick Saban versus Bear Bryant, who, who are you taking to coach the group?
3: <laughs> well, I mean, that's tough because i never actually – Seen Bear Bryant coach the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to go against Nick Saban. You know he's now what five and zero in a big game. So I mean, it's he's the best. He's the best coach out there right now. So it's hard to go against Nick Saban. I
2: hear you. Uh, just figured you know it's not easy to go with the current versus the legend.
3: Yeah, you're right. You're right. But I, I didn't really see enough of that legend. You know, I, I understand the. <laughs> You know what what he did, what he's done, and everything like that. But I, th- I think I have to go with Sabin.
2: Speaking of coaches or managers, it, it appears that you've got a pretty good rapport and relationship with the current manager, Kevin Cash. Um, what has he meant to you in his short time with the Rays?
3: Well, he means, a I think, he means a lot to the to the organization, to the team, um, to myself. Um, you know, he's he's definitely. Um, He's relaxed, you know. He's you he's, he Look at him. You think he still go out and play? Um, you know, he's a great guy. You know, he's a good communicator. Um, you know, he, he lets you know what's going on, uh, and he look for you to go out and, and play and play well, and that's expected from your manager. So, uh, I mean, I think he has a, a good relationship with everyone. You know, he knows how to you know, buckle down and he knows how to be relaxed. I mean, he got everything going for him, so that's good.
2: You mentioned the communication aspect. How important is that? Because you guys have a lot of guys who want to play, who are capable of playing, and he's got to kind of find that balance.
3: Yeah, I mean, this he doesn't have an easy job. I mean, we have a very talented team, you know, and to, um, you know, to have a bunch of guys that can play and, you know, you have some people feeling like they should be playing, some people feeling like this, and some people feeling like that. I mean, it's, that's tough as a manager to, to, you know, to roll out certain people every day. So uh, I mean, it's just it's a job that he's that he's done well, and you know, we we definitely don't have any complaints from any players. From your standpoint, obviously the club's gotten off to a little bit of a
2: slower start than I, I'm sure would have hoped. What types of things do you think this team needs to do well? to be a team that in October is, is back in the postseason.
3: Uh, I mean, right now, man, we, we, you know, it's, it's definitely early. We definitely face some, you know, some, some good pitching, but of course, we, I mean, we got to hit the ball, you know, um, we got to, we got to string hits together. We got to score some runs. Um, you know, it's like, I feel like every year, you know, our pitching is going to be there. Um, but we have to get excited and get back to, um, we got to string together some, some wins. And I think, um, I think that's coming. you know, um, I don't feel like, you know, anybody's just tearing it up right now, you know, as far as on our team, as far as offensive wise. And, you know, I think we have a lot of talent offensively that, um, that we haven't showed yet really, you know? And I think, um, You know, I think we can hit the baseball with with any team, and I think soon enough, you know, that'll that'll come. You individually, if you go through a tough stretch,
2: what are things you use to help you relax? Because I think, you know, we always hear the phrase try easier. It's hard to do that. Um, But what do you do to try and kind of get away when you're not playing or not at the field to get you kind of removed so you don't put too much on yourself?
3: I mean, well, the easiest thing to do is to get frustrated and then you're going like a downhill spiral from there, you know. Um, but it's, it's it's tough not to get frustrated, you know, when you're struggling. And, um, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, as long as the team, you know, has each other back, we keep each other pumped up, you know, we keep our heads up, um, you know, and just just try to relax, man. Sometimes, you, you, you know, it's just – you just don't know what it is, you know. You're just struggling. You just can't find that one thing that, you know, is keeping you from, you know, making solid contact or, or doing something. So I mean, you just gotta, you gotta relax. Um, you gotta just kind of, you know, zone out everything and, and just keep working. You know, keep preparing. You know, for for the next day and, you know, eventually, you know, all the hard work that you put in in a cage and on a field you know, and everything that you do, I mean, eventually it'll, it'll start, you know, paying off. Well, we look forward to that day very, very soon,
2: and we certainly appreciate some time here on This Week in Rays Baseball. Thanks, now. That's Desmond Jennings. We'll continue right after this. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Race Baseball. Neil Solon's with you at the Race Radio studio across from Gate 1. You just heard from Desmond Jennings this Friday on Jackie Robinson Day. The race held a Breaking Barriers program and had a day of service, including a kids' clinic for South St. Petersburg children on Saturday. Now, St. Petersburg City Councilwoman Lisa Wheeler-Brown was part of the planning committee for Friday's pregame ceremony, and I asked her about the arrangements.
4: Oh, yeah. we I mean, from day one, we met... um, a group of us got together just what we wanted this to be, and we have award recipients that, you know, went off Jackie's core values, you know, and I nominated one person for teamwork. Her name is Lucinda Johnson, and she actually won, so this is a very exciting evening. And I'm glad to be a part of it,
2: and certainly those core values, I think, are important for people to know and understand what they really stood for
4: oh most definitely and that's what i'm hoping that people also get out of this not only celebrating his legacy but know that he stood for something you know those values those nine values meant something to him
2: and the other thing that they are doing not only a program during the game but also a day of service
4: um we have two sites we're doing the midtown um, pal Um, And hopefully some of the people that are here at the game will come out tomorrow and just help us do the painting. um, And anybody else who wants to join us, you can join us. Um, And that's a start. I mean, this is very important to our community. Not only are we celebrating Jackie, but now we're doing a day of service in his memory as well.
2: And that's St. Petersburg City Councilman Lisa Wheeler-Brown, who was part of the committee that arranged Friday's Breaking Barriers program in honor of Jackie Robinson. The ceremony, as she mentioned, recognized people who demonstrated Robinson's core values. Those nine values are citizenship commitment courage determination excellence integrity justice persistence and teamwork and those values were on display at community service programs yesterday over at the midtown police athletic league in st petersburg and ray park in west tampa as well as a free baseball clinic that the rays held here at tropicana field great stuff certainly to honor a man who meant so much to the game and jackie robinson before we continue on our program let us pause for station identification you're listening to the race baseball network
0: Tampa Bay Sports Radio. This one's on its way. And go! 620 WDAE St. Petersburg.
2: And 95.3 FM. Home of the Rays. Neil Solon's with you at the Rays Radio studio across from Gate 1. As we take a look at the week gone by, let's turn our attention to Brian Anderson from Fox Sports Sun. Now joining us in B.A., we appreciate a couple minutes. Let's start with what Erasmo Ramirez did yesterday on the mound having not made a start since March how difficult was what he did and how easy did he make it look
5: well I, I think it number one it's it's extremely difficult uh, what he did but you know knowing Erasmo Ramirez maybe not as difficult as uh, for somebody else because he has such a great idea of his place on this team you know I mean this was a guy that really you know with the with the wrong uh, personality could have come kicking and screaming out of spring training saying well what do I have to do to you know to be in the starting rotation as well as he threw the ball last year at times he was your most dependable starter but he's the ultimate teammate and so he said I will do whatever it takes to help this team win and whether that means going to the bullpen to start the season and being a spot starter for for the first month I'll do whatever it takes. So with that kind of demeanor and that kind of mindset, um, it's not surprising that when his you know number was called, that he went out there and performed like he did. You know, even Kevin Cash, kind of foreshadowing before the game, said, "Look, listen, he's only going to get 60 to 65 pitches, but that doesn't preclude him from getting deep into the game because of how efficient that he can be." And that's exactly. Um, that's exactly what we saw. And Erasmo Ramirez is never going to come out and say, uh, "I want to be in the rotation full time." But the way that he threw the ball last night kind of says that for him. Like, hey, I, you know, me being in the starting rotation maybe is a good thing.
2: Agreed. Um, but he can also be valuable in so many roles. I mean, if this rotation stays healthy and performs as expected, and a Blake Snell at some point is ready to perform this year erasmo can be valuable as a starter but he also is durable enough where he can pitch multiple innings two three times a week
5: no he absolutely right and again it goes back to the fact that he's willing to do that and so you love to have a guy like that on your staff it would just it would be difficult for me and i'm sure it would be difficult for kevin cash to take erasmo ramirez out of the starting rotation based on his body of work now you know we'll see we'll cross that bridge when we when we come to it but he's a guy that when you give the ball you know every fifth day he gives you um, very dependable outings and and he goes out and like last night efficient to the point and for the first time this season was able to collect a win as a starting pitcher for the Rays so you know he's very very valuable can be valuable in many many roles but um, you know from the starting rotation aspect of it it would be hard for me to pull him out of there
2: and part of the reason he is You know, just making his first start yesterday is because of A, all the days off, and B, the injury to Brad Boxberger, and he probably wouldn't be in the bullpen were it not for that.
5: Yeah, that's exactly right, and that's where you've got to be able to uh, kind of mix and match on the fly and recalculate how you're going to start the season with the pitching staff. I'm sure it wasn't an easy decision, uh, but it, that was this decision that was made. Erasmo can fulfill a, a number of roles. I mean, he would be a guy you'd be comfortable closing out a game, being mm-hmm. a long man, a starter. He could do just about anything, but yeah, it all boiled down to the fact that Brad Boxberger was not going to be available at the beginning of the season, so the Rays have to kind of switch things up on the fly, and let's be honest here, when you look at the rays pitching overall the first you know 11 games of the season they're striking out people at a rate they've never done before through 11 games they're walking fewer hitters than they've ever done in 11 innings there have been a couple innings here or there that have gotten away from a starter but for the most part this you know starting rotation and bullpen they have done a heck of a job uh, you know through the first 11 games the problem is they just haven't scored enough
2: and we're going to get to that in a second. Again, Brian Anderson joining us from uh, Fox Sports Sun, especially the second time through the rotation, because Matt Moore, Drew Smiley, Jacob uh latest start, all going seven innings.
5: Well, yeah, but you had that that all came during that stretch where the Rays were held to one hit uh, or fewer through the first six innings of a ball game in three out of four games. Or it was one hit in three out of four games through six. that That's a tough way to go. That puts a lot of pressure uh, on your starting rotation, on your particular starting pitcher for that night. Now, as the pitcher, you can't worry about what the offense is doing. It's hard enough to do your job when that's your only focus. So they're not worried about what the offense is doing, but it makes the one or two mistakes that they may make in the first six and it makes them much more glaring because now all of a sudden you're down one or two to nothing and fighting from behind and that's been the the refrain for the Rays here through the first 11 games is consistently playing from behind so it was it was nice in last night's game to get that home run from Guyer in the third to actually get a lead to add on to that lead and and have a, a nice offensive night And you hope that they use that as a springboard going forward
2: certainly and and look they got different types of starters a different type of starter yesterday in John Danks. No knock on him, but he's not in the category of Danny Salazar, Corey Kluber, uh, Chris Sale, um, you know, and, and Carlos Carrasco.
5: No, or Danny Sal. I mean, all of these guys. They they faced four guys in a row, and you remember what this Indian staff did to this lineup last year when they came into Tropicana Field, where you had three of the four starters for the Indians that had at least a perfect game through five innings. Carlos Carrasco came within one strike of uh, pitching a no hitter. So we knew we knew going in that between Kluber, Carrasco, and Salazar, those three starters that they have the ability to be dominant. I don't care who they face, and then of course Chris Sale. After that, I think the only thing that you hung your hat on was Chris Sale's highest ERA against any team in the American League was the Rays. And so maybe with that right-handed lineup getting an opportunity to go out there, they would be able to get something done. But what Chris Sale did, and it was the first time that it really stood out to me this season so far is with the rays new ultra aggressive approach i that was the first time i saw a starting pitcher pitch to that approach where he went out there and you know early in the count changeup first pitch breaking ball first pitch he did not pitch like a power pitcher he pitched backwards a lot trying to take advantage of the rays aggressiveness and guess what it worked and then when you read the comments the next day there were comments made by manager robin ventura chris Sale when Jimmy Rollins is making comments about how aggressive the Rays lineup was on the first and second pitch and how Chris Sale took advantage of that then you know that word is getting around so that's one thing that you have to uh, maybe not worry about but you have to keep in mind with the Rays offense is you want them to be aggressive there are so many good strikeout pitchers in the game today that you don't want to just give away strikes so you want to be aggressive but you've got to be aggressive and selective at the same time if you're over aggressive of any pitcher that knows what he's doing out on the mound and knows how to sequence pitches is going to take full advantage of that and that's what we saw with Chris Sale and
2: yesterday well John Danks almost has to do his pitch backwards and he tried in the race actually we're a little more patient now whether it translates to Jose Quintana today I guess we're going to find out how important is it to get a series win
5: a very or are you kidding me I mean that the, more so for your mental side of things. Obviously, you want to pick up wins whenever you can, but this team talks about, like every other team out there, it's about winning series. And so to get that that first series win out of the way, um, that's exactly what is on the mindset of this team, and that will certainly boost the confidence with the day off tomorrow, and then you're going right in. Let's not forget here, the next two weeks, you go to Boston, to New York, you come home, you play Baltimore, you play Toronto. This is going to be a very very interesting division fight in the american league east and your next four opponents are all divisional opponents so you know that they are going to be battles from top to bottom everybody knows everybody else there are no secrets it's it's going to be a matter of, uh, of execution so to go into that stretch of your schedule here still in april you would love to come out with a series win against a team that's leading their division
2: no doubt ba great stuff as usual thanks for a few minutes we'll talk to you again soon all right neil thank you That's Brian Anderson from Fox Sports Sun. Coming up on our program this week in Rays Baseball, we'll take a closer look at the Rays' bullpen, plus some coaches and players from opposing teams this week with Tampa Bay Ties, including the Lakeland native and Chris Sale that we just touched on. That's coming up. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back to this week in Rays Baseball. Neil Solans from the Rays Radio Studio across from Gate 1. If you think the Rays have a talented starting pitching staff, well, the group we saw from Cleveland – this week is right there with him. In fact, their pitching coach is Mickey Callaway, who as a player made his major league debut with the Rays, the team that signed him originally. I asked Mickey what it meant to return to Tropicana Field.
0: You know, I always love coming back here. Obviously, great memories. I mean, the the inside of the stadium smells the same. You know, and anytime you know it's your first major league team and you're getting called up and your first experience in the big leagues, you know, you remember all those smells. I'm mean, just walks. So walking in every day is a really good treat.
2: Who are you still know? I mean, obviously Kevin Cash, because you guys work together. So much is made of the relationship between Tito and Kevin, but you were working together as bullpen coach and
0: pitching coach. What was that like? Oh, you know, it's great. You know, uh, it's always uh, fun to come back and and see all the old guys. You know, Scott Kersey, the bullpen coach. I had him in Orlando and Chico and – Foley was my first uh, professional manager in Butte, Montana. So, you know, it's always good to see everybody and, you know, to see Cashy, who I got really close with the last uh, few years. And, you know, it's a, it's a real good experience to always get to see your buddies, you know, in this game that you, you, you make and you keep uh, for, for life.
2: This is an interesting time of year. Um, you know, we talked about it with Kevin before your series began that, hey, they had six games and two off days and a moment, and then your schedule, you came into this series with just four games, three post moments, and an off day. As a pitching coach, how difficult is it to manage not only that but also the cold weather you're dealing with?
0: It's really difficult. You know, it's probably the most trying time of the year uh, for pitchers because we're so, you know, routine oriented and and the schedule really has a big impact on those guys you know whether it's a day game you know and then you're pitching two night games and then a day game and then when you get rained out and you're focused that day and then you have to pitch the next day things like that so uh, you know it's a trying time but everybody has to do it so you tough it out and you do the best you can with your routines and keep guys fresh and go out there and uh, throw the ball over the plate.
2: Is it also important not to make too much of a short sample, a small sample size as it is at this point of the year?
0: Absolutely. You know, as long as guys are doing the right thing, you know, I don't think we're really ever looking at the stats. I want my guys to pound the zone, throw strikes, and, and deal with what happens. You know, as long as they're doing that, I'm happy.
2: So much is made of the Rays pitching staff here, and obviously they've had success, but there are a lot of people who consider Cleveland's starting staff to be among the best in the game. What makes it so impressive to you as a guy who works with them every day?
0: Yeah, I mean it's their routines and their work ethic. You know, I get to watch daily their bullpens, the way they lift, the way they run, and the way they go about their business. And that's probably the most impressive thing about all my guys is they do everything correct and in, in the right way. And, and that's all I ask them. You know, I hold them accountable to the, for their routines to go out there every day and accomplish those. And then whatever happens on the field happens. The Rays
2: are known for guys really pushing one another. Helping helping one another how is the camaraderie between the quintet that you now have
0: ours is really good you know i think we do the same exact thing those guys go out there and they watch each other's bullpens every time and uh you know there's a friendly competition in that starting rotation see if they can go out you know do the the previous guy so that's always good uh, for a staff to be competitive and and go out there and, and try to outdo each other that's really fun
2: you take a look at the group the race had. There's a lot of variety. I mean, Chris Archer's a power right-hander. Matt Moore, more of a power lefty. Drew Smiley's kind of unique in the way he moves the ball up and down. And same with Jake Rizzi. You guys have so much swing and miss stuff. How different are the guys that you have?
0: You know, I, I think uh, what sets them apart is, you know, the way they go about their routines and the way they got to where they're at. You know, everybody has a little bit different path, obviously, but our guys have done it in such a unique way. I mean, Kluber, you know, struggling in Triple A four years ago, and then he wins a Cy Young two years later. You know, Carrasco getting moved to the pen, and now he's having success as a starter. Salazar, you know, never really being a huge top prospect, and all of a sudden here he is on the scene. So, you know, I think that's probably the most interesting thing about our guys.
2: And that is Cleveland pitching coach Mickey Callaway, who's not the only Indians coach with raised ties. In fact, assistant hitting coach Matt Cutrero played and coached in this organization.
1: Prior to Cleveland, it's the only place I knew. And, you know, as you know, there's so many great people here at, in all aspects of the game, whether it's on the field, off the field, you know, minor leagues, big leagues. So it's, it's a very special place to me. And it's uh, it's fun to come back, but it's a it's a strange feeling to see people you know in the other dugout. Who are you still close to? I keep in touch with a lot of guys. I mean, on, on up here, I mean, I keep in touch with Nelly and Charlie and and obviously Cashy and and then in the minor leagues, you know, all the guys, Jared and Hoove and Dan Demet. I mean, I could go on and on and on. So there's you know, those guys were my family for a long time, you know, and, and so that'll never change. You're now in your third year coaching at the Major League level, but this offseason,
2: you actually got to go back and manage again in the Arizona Fall League and won a championship. Congratulations.
1: What was that like to get to do that again? It was great. You know, it had been um, six years since I had managed, and obviously the Fall League is a little different than a regular season team, you know, with you only have 30 games, and a lot of it's dictated to you on playing time and, and that kind of stuff, but I, I really enjoyed it. It was, uh, didn't really know what I was getting into. I talked to a lot of people before I went, but... Once I was there, I was really fortunate. I had a low-maintenance team, a great staff, so I had, a, I had a great experience. We've talked a lot with uh,
2: Derek Shelton and Jamie Nelson about this time of year, and you guys have had it rougher than anyone going into the series. You had played just four games, three postponements, one day off. How hard is it for
1: hitters to be in a rhythm, and how hard does the job then of the hitting coaches become? Well, I mean, this, to answer your second question first, our job isn't any more difficult with our group because these guys are so consistent in their work, and you know you can't control whether you're going to play or not. That's up to somebody else. So we just do the same thing. We prepare the best we can in the cage. Unfortunately, like in Chicago, that happens to be outdoors, so it was a little. That was a little tough, but you know it's obviously tougher on the players playing in that kind of weather and the concentration that it takes and facing. Quality big league arms, you know, a couple aces in there, and so it, it, it was definitely a tough week. But everybody's going to go through that kind of stuff. And at this time of year, you're also missing your best player, uh, Michael Brantley.
2: And I'm kind of curious because we've talked it a lot with Evan Longoria that Evan can have a trickle down and trickle up effect in the lineup. Does Michael do the same thing with your group once he's back?
1: No, uh, no doubt. He's he's just such a solid presence. He's such a pro, and obviously. Opposing pitchers have to prepare for him differently than other players. So there's no doubt we miss him tremendously. Um, he lengthens out the lineup, plays good defense. I mean, he's an all-around, he's an all-star player, and uh, to not have him definitely hurts.
2: You know, this time of year, I'm also curious from your standpoint about an assistant hitting coach what they do during the course of the game you know jamie nelson i know he's got to work with the, the bench players during the game how much of the game do you actually see and how much are you spending time in the cage while the game's going on
1: you know it varies night to night and it really depends more so than on who's DHing and what their routine is and you know a game like last night that was a pitcher's duel was back and forth back and forth there weren't a lot of long offensive innings so i didn't end up seeing a whole lot of it um, I try to see as much as I possibly can. But, you know, and here it's pretty convenient. The cage is close by. But, uh, yeah, I go back and forth just like Nellie does and do whatever the guys need to get ready to get in there.
2: It's it's probably probably the most one of the more unsung jobs, I think, in baseball, the assistant hitting coach. And now almost every – they didn't used to all have them. Now almost every team does have them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about unsung. I mean, all coaches, you know, I know our staff, they all work equally hard. I mean, it's not like – I'm doing anything that nobody else does. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely behind the scenes, um, which is fine. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, everybody's got them. And, I mean, you know, there's so much. There's the proliferation of the data and the video and everything. It helps to have a couple sets of eyes on breaking stuff down.
2: And that's Matt Petraro. Former member of the Rays organization, now in his third year as Cleveland's assistant hitting coach. Now, when Chicago, the current Rays opponent, came to town this week, there was plenty of interest in the Friday night starter, Chris Sale, who grew up in Lakeland and played at Florida Gulf Coast University. We look back at his memories coming to Rays games as a fan and a player after his one nothing win over Tampa Bay on Friday night.
6: I love it. I really do. Um, you know, my, my first major league game that I ever came to was here uh, the day after my birthday, and uh, sat out there in, uh, in the right field bleachers. Um, I love it, you know, it brings back a lot of good memories. Uh, my, own, my uncle brought me to the game, so it was a special time for me. And I just, you know, I like coming here and seeing all my friends and family. It's, uh, it's a nice, nice way to catch up and, and see everybody, you know, kind of during the, during the grind.
2: What do you remember about that first game?
6: I remember having a lot of fun. Uh, my uncle got me a jersey. Bought me a brand new polo for the game, and I spilled mustard from a hot dog right, right here on the shirt. Um, we had a great time though; it was, it was really fun. I, I enjoyed it. I, you know, I have a panoramic picture of of that game, and I still have the ticket that I, the ticket stub too. I framed it and everything. So
2: um, it was a, it was a special time for me. When I get to spend time with you and your family in the offseason, your dad told me about the Wade Boggs game when you got to see him pitch. What I do you you didn't player. go for that? Just no, him? That
6: was my dad. Yeah, a couple, him and a couple of his buddies. Yeah, he he was fired up for that. He's like, hey, they, they got they got you know beat pretty bad, but we got to see Boggs pitch so those. It, <laughs> it was a treat for him.
2: In terms of players, what were your best memories watching here?
6: I mean, Wade Boggs is a legend, right? I mean, he, him, and uh, Fred McGriff when uh, when he was here, uh, Greg Vaughn. Uh, I actually got to. Uh, I played with his son, and he was uh, he was a coach up in a uh, summer baseball league I played in. So, uh, you know, watching those guys it was it was enjoyable.
2: When you watched, did you dream of this someday and being one of the best in the game?
6: I've always dreamt of being a major league baseball player. It's what I, you know. It's what what I've talked about wanting to do since I could really even remember. So, um, yeah, you know, it's something every kid dreams about. You know, I'm pretty sure of.
2: You mentioned all hitters of the guys you watched and liked. Did you always see yourself as a pitcher, though? Or? Yeah, I think I knew where, you know, every pitcher
6: likes to hit, so you know, and they all think they can hit. So, uh, <laughs> of course, you're
2: going to pay attention to that, right? When did you realize the gift that you had, and and who were some pitchers you liked growing up?
6: Um, I've always just loved baseball. I never really noticed. You know, I don't really didn't notice like a a time or a place or anything like that probably you know I would I just always had fun doing it it was something that um you know my father and I did growing up together it was time for us to you know it was good for us to spend time and just really loved the game because of that and then uh you know just kind of stayed on it and, and kept with it
2: as a pitcher you're though very unique were there any guys that you even in the backyard remember imitating or playing around
6: I actually remember imitating hit more hitters than pitchers uh but, uh, you know, my favorite pitcher growing up was Randy Johnson. I, you know, I've said it a million times. But he, uh, you know, just watching him, not only the stuff he had, but just how he was on the mound, how he carried himself, his demeanor, his uh, his fire and his intensity, uh, you know, that that was fun to watch.
2: You bring a lot of that, too. What did the complete game shutout here mean? I mean, you've pitched very well every time I think you've come here.
6: Yeah, I, like I said, I, I enjoy this place. Um, I do. You never Never got to worry about the weather. Uh, always night nice, you know work, get a good sweat going um, you know plus it's fun to pitch in front of you know family and friends and, and stuff like that so uh, you know I've always I've always enjoyed this place
2: you only get to do it once a year so how many ticket requests do you have to take care of when you come out here
6: <laughs> quite a few we uh, it's nice though I appreciate it I, I, I like having people coming up and, and supporting uh, myself and my family and, and you know all the friends and family that came uh, we, we had a really good time together it's, it's good to, good to see them and spend time.
2: How many were there for this one?
6: It was quite a few. Um, I'd say, I don't know, maybe just on just under a hundred, maybe. But not, not all ticket requests, but about how many people I think came up for uh, for the occasion.
7: And does
2: your son? Does he stay up late enough to watch when you come out and when you're pitching here?
6: Oh yeah, oh yeah. He's uh, he was he was. He was happy last night. He's got a couple of his buddies from uh, from down where we live in the off season uh, up here too. So they were they were fired up. They had a great time.
2: Can you put that in perspective? I mean, do you remember coming here as a kid, you'd spill in mustard on your shirt, and your son getting to watch you pitch in center stage.
6: Yeah, it's fun. You know, it's. It, I, I guess I've never really thought of it, but. Um, you know, it, it is fun to, to to have him experience that with me. I you know I enjoy bringing him around and, and you know, like I said, just being able to come here and, and you know in the middle of a season and, and be able to spend time with my family like that. It's, it's it's great.
2: Continued success. Thanks for a few minutes. Yes, sir. Thank you. And that is Chris Sale, the anchor of the White Sox staff, a native of Tampa Bay. Now, the Rays certainly have a very deep starting staff of their own, and that's helped the bullpen as many players adjust to new roles. The bullpen coach, Stan Borowski, says with no clear-cut roles to begin the year, communication is king on an everyday basis.
7: Well, we've always talked to them about how they feel day-to-day, and as far as when they're going to pitch in the game with all the new faces down there and not really knowing a whole lot about them yet in a regular season situation – they're always ready to pitch when the phone rings and Kevin and Hick are really good about giving them heads up about when they might be able to or might be getting ready to go into games and uh, that's what I communicate to them and then they're ready. When guys don't know roles,
2: is it harder Is it and is it something that kind of irons itself out over a short period of time, two, three weeks, then guys start to say, okay, here's where I think he'll slide in?
7: Oh, I think there's no question. It just takes a little bit of time uh, to see how things play out. And as we saw last year, you know, we started the season with no clear-cut roles and they just kind of evolved as the season went along. And I think you're going to see the same thing happen this year.
2: It appears it's a group, though, that has a lot of talent. Um, what's your take on the group as a whole?
7: Uh, very talented. I like this group a lot. They're professionals. They've. We've got a couple guys down there that, that have some major league experience and have been out in those situations before. So really looking forward to this group. Uh, good group of guys. They're professionals. Uh, they're talented and they know how to handle themselves. Many of the pitchers in the pen
2: are accustomed to different roles. Steve Geltz had nearly every role last season and feels the
8: mental side of the game is most important. Because if if I'm you know not mentally locked in one through nine, and they call down and say the third and say hey Geltz we need you ready for whatever or hey in the ninth and it's ten we're losing by ten runs hey Geltz you're going to be ready for the ninth. If I'm not mentally ready for that. That you know that that whole it's a domino effect, you know, and then everything starts going against you. So, for that kind of being prepared for those kind of roles, it's a mental preparation because physically we're all doing what we need to do to compete and perform, and that's a daily routine. That that just goes along with your routine. But as far as like you know, kind of being up in the air with quote roles, um, that's how I personally get through it because. You don't know what, I don't know what my role is. My role is to be a relief pitcher, and whatever that entails, whether it's starting games or closing games, extra innings, mid-innings, it doesn't matter. So so to be ready to fully embrace that role of being a relief pitcher, I'm mentally just one through nine, checked in.
2: Ryan Webb is one of the more veteran relievers in the bullpen and agrees with Geltz that it's important to always be ready. Because you know
1: there might be situations that come up, especially – You know, here now with, you know, I think the vision that they have for the bullpen here is a little bit different than most places where uh, they're going to look for to extend guys and things like that. Uh, So, just always be ready, and that's what you know Hickey told us. And I think right now, until roles are established and things like that, that's that's one of the things mentally and physically, just stay prepared.
2: It certainly helps to have relievers who are flexible and willing to do whatever it takes. Dana Eveland a non roster invite this spring fits that role Evelyn says considering it's early in the season this bullpen has a good chemistry
8: you know it, it hasn't been very difficult we've got a, a really good group of guys and and everybody seems to get along really well and, and having Farquaad down there is is kind of entertainment it seems like he's got a little secret handshake with every single guy already you know and that happened day one so you know we've it's a, it's a pretty easy group of guys to get along with and I think it helps because everybody's still pretty young and nobody's you know a, a dominant established guy and so we all you know we're just trying to pick each other up and we all get along really well
2: it also helps to have agreeable guys like erasmo ramirez who's eventually expected to return to the rotation ramirez says his focus is to treat pitching in the bullpen just like he would
3: as a starter in my mind i just keep working a starter because i know i feel better my body recover quicker when I get home, I work I, my work in and so I follow the same the same routine I, I've been doing for Charlotte. I've been feeling great. Even the last uh, the last two games, I threw like reliever. Uh, I was just coming from my regular routine, and everything just came normal. My arm just feel great, and day after day, just feeling better and better. So I uh, just follow the same routine, just being careful about just the weight. Before the game, just doing a little bit in case I throw.
2: And so far, so good for Erasmo Ramirez, whether he's in the bullpen or as a starter. In fact, in three appearances out of the bullpen, he gave up a total of just two runs in six innings. And then, of course, he did a tremendous job yesterday returning to the Rays rotation, throwing five and two-thirds shutout innings in a 7-2 victory over Chicago. Well, you can count the strikeouts with your own Chris Archer K-Counter bobblehead. It's presented by Bright House Networks. All fans will receive the K-Counter bobble while supplies last on Saturday, April 30th. That's when the Rays face their division rival in the Toronto Blue Jays. You can call 888 fan or visit RaysBaseball.com for more information. Raise up want to thank all of the guests on our bullpen piece, Erasmo Ramirez, Dana Evelyn, as well as Ryan Webb, Steve Geltz, and the bullpen coach for the race, Stan Baroski. Also thanks to all of our guests today. Outfielder Desmond Jennings, Brian Anderson of Fox Sports Sun, Lisa Wheeler-Brown, St. Petersburg City Councilman on the Breaking Barriers program, the race held on Friday on Jackie Robinson Day, as well as the ace pitcher of the Chicago White Sox, the Tampa Bay native in Chris Sale, and also thanks to a couple of guys who used to be members of the race organization that are now coaches with the Cleveland Indians, those being pitching coach Mickey Calloway and the assistant hitting coach for the Indians in Matt Cotrero. Thanks as well to our producer for today's program in John Milo. Anytime you have something you'd like to hear on the program, you can always tweet me at Neil Solon's again, that's all one word. Now, next week on our show, we'll chat with one of the members of the bullpen who's recovering from injury, that being Brad Boxberger, a big reason why the race roles are shuffled as Brad comes back from core surgery that he had during the course of spring training. Rays getting set to take on the Chicago White Sox, trying to win a series and get to a 500 record on this homestand before heading out to the road to take on New York and Boston next week. I'm Neil Solon. Stay tuned. The pregame show is next as the race gets set for the White Sox Thanks for joining us in this week in Rays Baseball on the Rays Baseball Network.